0: well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed welcome to another edition of bearing arms cam and company my name is cam edwards i am glad that you've joined us on the program today coming up in a uh, matter of moments we'll to talk with chris cheng competitive shooter top shot champion second amendment advocate we're going to talk about the uh, rise in violence against asian americans in this country Uh, not only the uh, shooting in georgia this week that left eight people dead six of them asian americans uh uh, again you know authorities uh, say they don't know that race was a a motivating factor uh in that uh, shooting as much as uh the uh the 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 employment uh, uh and the location the the establishments there uh but it is it is uh, absolutely certain that uh, uh, attacks against members of the Asian-American community are on the increase. We've talked about this uh, at Bearing Arms for several you know, weeks now. Uh, there was a story out of Oakland, California. You might remember this just a couple of weeks ago where a woman in Oakland's Chinatown was being assaulted and robbed. And a business owner came out with his legally owned firearm, fired several shots. The guy got away. He wasn't arrested because he got away, but the business owner was arrested and charged. And the Oakland police chief said, uh, you know, look, we, we, need, uh, we need good witnesses, not armed citizens. Uh, no, we need people to be able to defend themselves and to be able to fight back. Uh, in San Francisco yesterday, there was another brutal assault on a uh, 76-year-old woman. There, there she is, Uh, This was moments after this occurred. She was standing there. All of a sudden, a stranger walks up, punches her in the face, and begins to attack her. Now, this woman, 76 years old, uh, Zhao Jin fought back. She grabbed a piece of wood that was laid on the ground, and she started wailing on the guy. And good! I'm glad she did. Would Oakland's police chief... Tell her, hey, listen, we just need you to be a good witness. Try to, try to get as good a description as you can out of the one eye you can still see out of. But for God's sakes, lady, don't fight back. Is that really the response? Because I got to tell you, I, I, it's not the response that I would give. When we have individuals in this country who are being victimized, who are being singled out, Then those people have the right to keep and bear arms because we, the people, have the right to keep and bear arms in self defense. Sadly, in the Bay Area, it's kind of a non entity, thanks to California's gun control laws. Talk about that and a lot more with Chris Chang in this conversation. Take a look and a listen. Chris, thank you so much, sir, for coming on the program. It's good to talk to you today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on, Cam.
0: It has been uh, too long. I'm glad that you're doing well. And I, I, I'm i i am going to say, I'm also really glad that you're speaking out about these attacks that we've seen in the Asian American community. I, I ran across a quote from you probably two weeks ago now um, after this uh, attempted robbery in Oakland, California, where you had a, a legal gun owner come out of his business, uh, fire several shots uh, towards that robber, stopping the attack. The robber runs off. The store owner gets arrested uh, and the police chief in Oakland at the time said, look, we 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 want good witnesses, not armed citizens. Uh, and I was just, I got to say, I was stunned by the reaction of the uh, Oakland police chief because we've seen a growing number of these attacks, not only in the Bay Area, but really across the country.
1: Yeah, it is. Uh, it's a scary time for Asian Americans. And this is. You know, on some level, this violence against the Asian community ha- has happened, right, for, for decades. But, um, you know, something that I want to share to your viewers about the Asian American culture is it's typically one of silence. And, you know, when something bad happens to you, you know, I've been, you know, I've had racist things said to me, you know, throughout my life. And the, the general approach is to be quiet about it, right, that, that there's strength in our silence. And it's something that I want to challenge, right, because I don't think there's strength in anybody's silence, right, regardless of what your ethnic background is or what your gender is, uh, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you have to speak out about injustices and you have to speak out about about the issues that are affecting you and your communities or else nobody's going to know. And for the Oakland police chief to basically say, don't defend yourself, be a good witness, and watch crime happen to you and to your fellow citizens is irresponsible. And it's the wrong message that our government officials should be sending to people. The, the, the message should be, defend yourself, right? It should, well, it should be, stay out of areas that you you know, know to be dangerous. But I think in this day of age, Everywhere is dangerous. In San Francisco, where I live, and in Oakland, right, you can literally, as an Asian American, be walking around the block, which what happened to an 84 year old Thai American a few weeks ago, he was walking around the block in a suburban neighborhood. And he was blindsided and knocked to the ground by some younger guy. And the the Asian, the elderly guy, he died of his injuries. And (laughs) <laughs> when you've got the San Francisco district attorney, Chase Budin, who's basically saying that the bad guy had a temper tantrum as a way to somehow justify a homicide. It's crazy, right, that we can't we cannot rely on law enforcement to protect us nor to prosecute criminals when they actually catch them. And so it's it all comes back to this concept of we are our first our own first responder. We're responsible for our own self-defense and whether that's with a firearm or some other weapon or just literally our, our hands and I mean, our fists and our feet. Right. It's, it's a it's a it's a it's a responsibility that I think more Asian Americans are waking up to that, that that responsibility. And that's a message that I just I need to speak up on and, and support those those Americans who decide to, to speak up and defend themselves.
0: Absolutely. I mean, look, we, we saw a, a very Stark reminder of this in San Francisco. Uh, just on Wednesday, um, a 76-year-old woman, uh, Zhao Jinzi, was attacked on the street. She was just standing there, and a the guy walks up and punches her in the face uh, and begins to attack her. She picks up uh, a stick. She picks up, you know, a block of wood and just starts wailing on this guy. Thank God she fought back. Uh, you know, she said that uh, she still can't see out of her left eye. Her daughter said, or excuse me, her grandson said that she's extremely terrified. She's terrified to step out uh, of the retirement home where she lives. Apparently, this guy went on to attack uh, an 83-year-old man. Uh, uh, And, you know, this is a 39-year-old who's been arrested. He's being investigated for both of these attacks. But, you know, again, I'm glad that she was able to fight back. I'm glad that she had the wherewithal to, you know, to stand her ground and defend herself. And I can't imagine anybody saying that that was the wrong thing for her to do.
1: Um, Absolutely, yeah. I, I'm like it just my jaw dropped reading that story, right? About how this this old Asian woman who's being attacked by someone you know, almost like half her age. Yeah, she was able to defend herself, and she she kicks some butt. And that's a really uncomfortable place, I think, right? For for any citizen to think about how if I'm attacked that I'm gonna to have to fight back. And the right to take that a step further, you know, it may come to my life or this bad guy's life. And for law-abiding citizens, I hope that the choice is simple and it's easy. I'm gonna side with the good person and the law-abiding citizen every single time. And if the bad guy happens to get killed or severely injured, whether it's from a, a wood board or a firearm, that's life, right? That, that's life, right? We have to pick and choose literally winners and losers. And I will always, always support the law-abiding citizen who is simply defending themselves from a criminal attack.
0: So I, I've got to ask, I don't know if you've seen this or not, but Amnesty International uh, put out a press release yesterday in response to these shootings in Georgia. And the the headline of this press release uh, Georgia shooting yet another cry for U.S. government action to end gun violence, confront misogyny, and denounce anti-Asian-American Pacific Islander hate. And I want to read the, uh, the, the last uh, couple of paragraphs here. The, the, this is a quote from, uh, let me make sure I get the, uh, the name correctly here. Um, this was a quote from Minjin Tholen, who is the uh, Chief Inclusion and Strategic Innovation Officer at Amnesty International USA. And she said, We demand that elect officials uh, forcefully denounce violence against women and hate crimes against Asian American Pacific Islander people, and that the perpetrator of the shootings will be held accountable. This incident also is a stark reminder of the need for the U.S. government and Congress in particular to take meaningful steps to curb the human rights crisis that is gun violence in this country and to ensure that those who shouldn't possess weapons can't access them. We can no longer accept the silence and inaction of lawmakers. Guns should not be prioritized over the lives of people. Violence against women and hate against the Asian American Pacific Islander community must stop immediately. We stand with that community and with all those working to stop gender-based violence and call upon our leaders to join us in the fight to pass meaningful legislation to end the cycle of gun violence. Now, Chris, to me, self-defense is a human right. Um, To Amnesty International... Gun control is a human right, In the absence of gun control, they say, is a violation of human rights. So they see the answer to the attack in Georgia, or to the uh, attacks that we're seeing in you know New York and San Francisco and the Bay Area, they see the answer as as putting more gun control laws on the books. What 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 is your response to that?
1: Yeah, the answer is absolutely not right. The, the answer to to these shootings is not more gun control. Right, we already have plenty of gun control laws on the books. And they're, they're, you know, they're only so effective, any law is only going to be so effective at preventing any kind of violence or negative behavior. And the problem with a lot of these gun control bills, especially H.R. 8 and H.R. 1446 that are currently going through Congress is that it's targeting law-abiding citizens. And I really want to send a message to politicians that, okay, look, if you want to confiscate guns, go and confiscate the guns of the criminals who own the guns, right? Go kick down their doors. Go ban them from owning firearms. Don't come target me and target you and other law abiding Americans on these restrictions that are going to make it more expensive and more onerous for Americans to exercise their Second Amendment right. And the fact that we have these barriers to the second amendment, right? In the form of let's just talk about taxes and fees, right? Like what other right do we have in our constitution where you have to pay money to exercise your right? That in itself is, is an injustice and something that we need to put our foot down and say that the answer to stopping violence is not more gun control, right? We really need to focus on the mental health aspect on the criminal justice system, enhance penalties for crimes that are committed using a firearm, uh, and then you know we need to focus on how do we stop individuals from you know from, from you know committing criminal acts. And there's a lot of reasons, right? Sort of what's the root cause of violence? There are many, but the root cause of violence is not firearms, right? A firearm just simply sitting on the table is is harmless, right? It's not the fact that guns exist is what's causing crime right there there are more deeper seated psychological socioeconomic family um you know reasons uh, why crime exists and, and that's really where we need to to dig into.
0: Absolutely. I mean look again going back to that case in San Francisco yesterday it's in your heart and and what's in your head not what's in your hand. You know there was no gun involved uh in that attack of that 76-year-old woman yesterday. But I don't think anybody would say, well, that's OK, then, because a gun wasn't used because she was punched in the face. Uh, that's all right. I mean, maybe Chessa Budin would say that. But, uh, you know, most of us would not. Uh, and, and that goes back to, you know, something that you just talked about, the criminal justice system, which particularly in California right now, uh, you know, both the gun control laws and the criminal justice system, I think, have put the law abiding legal citizen, At a disadvantage. I mean, if you live in San Francisco, you can't get a concealed carry license. If you You live in Alameda County, you can't get a concealed carry license. In Santa Clara, maybe you can, but you probably got to bribe somebody with the sheriff's department first. Uh, You you know, I mean, good people are being put at risk because of these government policies.
1: It is absolutely deplorable. And, you know, when Chase Abudin was running for district attorney uh, a few months ago, uh, you know, he he explicitly ran it on a campaign of not prosecuting quality of life issues, which are defined as 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 the drug dealing, breaking and entering smash and grab. You know, it, it's 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 I mean, I I don't I don't know how San Francisco, how we elected this district attorney who explicitly said, I'm not going to prosecute a huge swath. Of quality of life crimes that are made, that these crimes are making living in San Francisco not just miserable. It's miserable for everybody, where you have homeless people who can't help themselves and they're living on the streets and they're defecating and urinating everywhere. You've got drug dealers who are freely peddling drugs and you've got users who are discarding syringes and other drug paraphernalia literally on the doorsteps of residents, mine included. And the fact that the city, is just either turning a blind eye or they're throwing their hands up in the air saying, ah, we can't do anything about this, it has just been immensely frustrating. And, you know, to your point about the criminal justice system, how can we, quote unquote, trust the government if they're not going to arrest and if they're not going to prosecute uh, you know, those who commit these crimes it's It's a frightening time you know both for for asian americans and and honestly just for for Americans in general um and so it's it's something that I want to speak up on and educate and bring a light to just the craziness that is that's happening and, and ultimately we need to elect officials that are going to prosecute that are going to support our second amendment rights and that are actually going to police our communities and look out for us.
0: Have you know, I mean, you and I have known each other for years uh, and and you've never been uh, shy about speaking your mind on Second Amendment issues. But am I am I imagining things that that you've been um, a little more forceful as of late? I mean, has this as watching what has been happening to the Asian-American community, has that made you make a conscious decision to to be more vocal and to to speak up more about uh, about what you see going on and what you want to see happen?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, the the violence that's been uh, coming upon the Asian-American community over the past year, it's really struck a nerve with me. And, you know, I typically, at least I like to think of myself as pretty level headed and I I don't let my emotions drive my intellectual and objective decision making. Uh, And that's still very much the case. But, you know, it's this is a different time for me and for Asian-Americans where I feel targeted. And there's nothing I can do to change my ethnicity, right? There's, there's no hiding the facts that I'm Asian. And the, and I also have family extended family in San Francisco who are old, you know, they're in their seventies, eighties and nineties. They're just taking walks around the block. They're going to the, or they're walking to the grocery store. And the thought that my immediate family is under threat is, is frightening and Asian Americans, we for too long have just sat on our hands and and kept our mouths shut, thinking that if we just put our heads down, that this problem will eventually go away. Okay, well, maybe that's true. But as we wait, the more we wait and the more we stay silent, the more Asian Americans are going to get are going to get injured and are going to get killed. And I don't want that to happen just as much as no one else wants that to happen to Asian Americans or Americans of any race. But for me, yeah, I'm fired up, Cam. And it is, it's been emotionally just, it's, it's been, it's been challenging to watch day in and day out Asians, Asian Americans being targeted and attacked and killed simply for being Asian. And, and, you know, for let's, let's be frank, right? A lot of these racist attacks are, are, are being tied to COVID. And that somehow, you know, Asian-Americans had anything to do with COVID. I had nothing to do with COVID. So don't come attacking me and don't come attack my family. Don't come attack Asian-Americans who had nothing to do with the COVID virus. We're not responsible and we're not a target. So everybody needs to back off. And for those who don't back off, I'm encouraging Asian-Americans to consider their Second Amendment rights. And go purchase a firearm for self-defense, because now more than ever is the time when we need to defend ourselves. And clearly, the government has shown their either ineptitude or inability to protect and defend us.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, and to that end, uh, I saw a story earlier today from Forbes talking about the growing number of Asian-American gun owners. Uh, You know, gun ownership uh, in every demographic uh, was was up in 2020 Um, But but do you think that that these attacks are spurring on uh, more members of the Asian American community to to think about uh, getting a gun, to think about that, 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 that right of armed self-defense?
1: Absolutely. And one one rallying cry and inspiration point for the Asian American community was the 1992 Rodney King riots where you had rooftop Koreans, which is a meme. All within itself. And basically, during the riots, you had Koreatown under attack. And the LAPD said that they can't help Koreatown, right? That the LAPD was overwhelmed and under-resourced. And so Korean Americans took it upon themselves to use their Second Amendment rights and their personal firearms to stand on the rooftops of their businesses, to patrol the streets of Koreatown in Los Angeles and protect their lives and property and, and, and way of life. and. That is a story that many Americans and and many Asian Americans don't know about. But the more we talk about the rooftop Korean story and that rooftop Korean mentality, right, it's a mindset, it's an attitude, it's a philosophy, it's a set of values to say, I am responsible for my self-protection and and, and personal protection and self-defense, and that I have the Second Amendment right to own a firearm, to defend myself, to protect my family, to protect my community. And that rooftop Korean mentality is making a comeback and is, it, it, it's surging throughout the Asian American community. And it is definitely spurring at minimum conversations for whether, right, an Asian decides to purchase a firearm. Uh, and then, of course, many Asian Americans are taking that, that step of going to the gun store. And purchasing their very first firearm and i applaud that it's it is uh, and here's why a lot of asian american families um are either neutral or or sometimes anti-gun right and and Mm -hmm. for an asian american family member to say hey family i'm going to go purchase a firearm that's that's not a that's not an easy family cultural thing to overcome and i know a number of Asian Americans who are closeted gun owners within their family. Right. They have not told their family. Right. They they, they felt so strongly right, about purchasing a firearm and the need to defend themselves that they're willing to hide this fact from the ones that the, the, from the people that they love most that are most close to them. And they are afraid to say, hey, Asian family members, I own a gun. And so I, again, I applaud that, right? For, for those Asian Americans who are facing that kind of fear and potential retaliation from your own family members. And, and look, right? At the end of the day, again, right? We're, we're responsible on an individual level for our safety and our self-defense. And, and I mean, for our, our family members who, who may disagree with gun ownership. Look, the bottom line is we're, we're doing it for them too right we we yeah. own firearms to protect them right to protect our family and we can agree to disagree as a family but ultimately i think it's better to have a gun and not need it versus not need it and and, and not have it but need it so um it's uh it's it's been inspiring yet also challenging right for asian americans uh especially those who are buying their first firearm but again uh i'm i'm i fully support and applaud those who decide to take that
0: step well, listen, Chris. Again, I, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the show today. Thank you for using your voice in uh, your platform for speaking out. Uh, we're going to continue to do so here at uh, Bearing Arms Cam and Company as well. And you know, you're welcome back anytime, man.
1: Thank you, Cam. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I'd love to be back as the story develops. And uh, uh, yeah, we we need. To, I want to continue speaking out on you know the Asian on behalf of the Asian American community and also the Second Amendment community and make sure that all Americans are aware of, the, of, of the, the crime out there and, you know, what we can do about it. So thanks again for having me on and uh, talk to you later.
0: Cannot thank Chris enough for joining us on the program. I'm really, really glad that he was able to lend his insight and, uh, and his thoughts to the program today. And I hope that we get a chance to have him back on again very soon. All right, let's turn our attention right now to our armed citizen story, our good deed of the day. Our recidivist report. Uh, we'll start there. Check out this headline: Man arrested three times in same day, including twice by the same trooper. Yeah, uh, I, I don't even know what to say. This is amazing. WHDH in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, with the story. Uh, but this is actually from New York State. Twenty-nine-year-old Robert Riddick of Marlboro, New York, arrested three times in a 24-hour period, actually less than 24 hours, back on March the 7th, according to the New York State Police. Raddick was driving a Jeep Cherokee when he was first arrested shortly after 8 o'clock in the morning, after a trooper stopped him for a vehicle and traffic law violation. He was uh, driving with a suspended license, and the officer found him to be in possession of cocaine. And they let him go. Six hours later, Raddick driving a Honda Civic when he was again stopped for a vehicle and traffic law violation. The same trooper, quote, immediately recognized Raddick from earlier and found him this time to be in possession of cocaine and heroin and still driving on a suspended license. Man, they let him go again. About uh, eh, three and a half hours later, four hours later, 545 in the afternoon, different trooper stopped Raddick's Jeep Cherokee. Now he's back in the Jeep Cherokee. After observing multiple vehicle and traffic law violations, while well, speaking to Raddick, the trooper is said to have determined that he was impaired by drugs. No. No, really? I find that very easy to believe, actually. All three arrests took place in the city of Newburgh, New York. Raddick due to appear in court in late April. Uh, New York's, again, you know, their, their criminal justice reform efforts have allowed this to happen uh no bond necessary for the vast majority of violent crimes. So if you're driving on a suspended license, you've got heroin in your pocket, you're going to get cited, you're going to get sent on your merry way, you're going to be told to show up in court the next month. I you know, now there is I think a growing desire in New York State to reform the reforms. Uh but Robert Raddock should be the poster child for reforming the criminal justice reforms, because I cannot imagine that uh, even the most progressive of New Yorkers really believes that that we're going to have a safer society if you can be pulled over and charged multiple times in one day for driving behind the uh, in, a, in a car you're not supposed to be driving with drugs you're not supposed to be possessing while you're intoxicated with the drugs that you're not supposed to be using. But that is the status quo in New York State at the moment. Today's Armed Citizen story from, uh, this is from, where is this from? This is from uh, WLKM uh, Radio. A uh, Washtenaw County man uh, arrested after he broke into a residence in uh, Girard Township. State police contacted around uh, 1 a.m. Monday morning regarding a home invasion in uh, Girard Township. Um, The victim telling investigators that uh, he woke up to a sound outside of his home. And then he noticed that there was a guy rummaging around his truck. So the homeowner grabbed his legally owned firearm, went outside, confronted the 25-year-old man. Suspect became aggressive, claimed that he actually lived in the house. (laughs) <laughs> homeowner disagreed. The uh, suspect managed to actually enter the home, but the homeowner was able to get the suspect out of his house without having to pull the trigger. Thankfully, the I'm sure the presence of that firearm had something to do with it. The suspect, by the way, admitted that he had uh, used methamphetamine uh, before he started rummaging around that truck and then tried to uh, enter that individual's home. Again, like the vast majority of defensive gun uses in this country, the trigger was not pulled. Uh, But the presence of that firearm was enough to prevent that crime from escalating any further. Uh, So there you go, an armed citizen story from uh, Washtenaw County, Michigan. And uh, finally today, our good deed of the day, this from uh, St. Charles, Missouri, where a police officer being praised for his heroic actions in rescuing two people from a house fire in St. Charles County on Monday afternoon there's a look at the uh, the home ablaze. I mean, you can see that uh, is just fully engulfed in uh, in flames. Central County Fire and Rescue says uh, St. Charles Police Officer uh, Ronald was first on the scene of a burning home. Two residents trapped inside. The fire at that point was mainly in the garage, but uh, was beginning to enter the home. So before firefighters even got on scene, the officer forced his way inside the house. He found an elderly man in the kitchen. Officer Ronald then ushered the man outside to another officer and then went back in the home for the other resident. He found a disabled woman in bed. He lifted her up, carried her out of the home to safety. And again, both of those individuals, unharmed. Uh, And they very well could have lost their lives in that fire. So in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, Officer Ronald, I I wish I knew your full name, but uh, Officer Ronald there with the uh, uh, St. Charles County Police Department, we uh, certainly thank you for your very good deed. Now, that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. This is also going to be the last program of the week. You know, I uh, take Fridays off from the show, but not from the website. No, no, no. We are going to have all kinds of content for you at buryingarms.com Friday, Saturday, and Sunday as well. So make sure you check out the website throughout the weekend. We will be back with more Barry Arms, Cam & Company on Monday. Uh, until then, why don't you catch up on some older shows? You know, you can subscribe to Barry Arms, Cam & Company on YouTube. Just subscribe to Town Hall Media. Uh, Rumble.com, Barry Arms, Cam & Company, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, amazon podcast apple podcast apple apple podcast uh townhall.com's media page we can uh, we can get you hooked up with a podcast there as well lots of ways for you to find the show we certainly do thank you for your support uh, i will be also on uh, mark walter's armed america radio uh this afternoon you can make sure to uh, check out the replay over the weekend if you miss the live interview with mark have a great weekend Till we talk again be well be safe be free